Again, I want to thank our, our church family for just the outpouring of love, support throughout the week. You ladies, as always, phenomenal. God bless you for all the help with the Harrison family. And uh, you all know who you are, everyone. It, it truly was a church-wide effort in support for them. And I know that uh, honored uh, Mr. Holton, Miss Mary Margaret. And so, uh, again, I just want to say thank you for that. And thank you, brother. Appreciate that. Um, and just continue to pray for the family. I, I shared with the deacons this morning, for those of you who knew Holton, Mary Margaret well, uh, you know their children, their grandchildren, great-grandchildren, their prayer was for them, that they would follow after Christ. And so there's still work to be done, and there's still prayers to be answered, and so uh, just continue to be hands and feet uh, for the cause of Christ in, in, in that ministry. But again, thank you uh, for all you've done. Uh, we are continuing this morning in our 2020 vision. And I'm Baba Waters, and this is 2020. I'm sorry, some of you don't even know who Baba Waters is. Thank you, old guy. Anyway, uh, we are continuing our 2020 vision sermon. And let's see if I can power this thing up. We have no go. But um, we talked last week, and I want to kind of give you a little recap because we kind of laid the foundational work, thank you, sir, uh, on that message because that needed to precede this practical application message that we're talking about today. You'll recall the title was His Mission, Our Focus. And our passage of Scripture, if you want to turn there, and again, this is a topical for those of you visiting with us today. I'm not a topical man. I prefer getting into the nuts and bolts, the meat of the Word, if you will. And we will, Lord willing, be returning to Colossians uh, not sure exactly when. There's some things that have kind of fallen on my heart that we may need to look at. So uh, in the meantime, though, uh, we are here. His mission, our focus. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Go, therefore. We'll just stop right there. How's your going? Church, when's the last time we've actually intentionally gone for the sake of the gospel? That, that intentionally, purposefully, I have prayerfully asked God, who would you have me go to? Who do you want me to reach? Who do you want me to share the good news with? When's the last time you and I have actually taken the time to pray that prayer? I hope it was this morning. If not, can I encourage you? Let that be your prayer this week. Because I promise you, based on the authority of God's Word, you're not here for you. I'm not here for me. God has us here for His mission. And that needs to be our focus. Go, therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always. Well, that's, that's assuring, that's, re, that's reassuring, and that's encouraging. He is with us always, even to the end of the age. We don't go alone. So 
So let's bring things into focus. This is where we left off last week. I sort of reminded you guys, no matter what ministries we do as a church, no matter what ministries we do, and I ran through a list of them. I don't care if it's ladies' ministry, the women of grace ministry, if it's wings, if it's the praise team, if it's the senior saints, if it's the youth ministry, children's church, if it's the nursery, if it's if Olympians, if it's the World of Life teens. Name the group, men's group, whatever the group, athletic mission, whatever the group. No matter what ministries we do as a church, there are two rails this train moves on. One track here, one track here, moving in the same direction. One is evangelizing, and the other's discipleship. It's not one or the other, because oftentimes what happens with churches is they get so focused on going, they're all about the evangelism, they're all about the reaching the lost, and they lose sight of discipleship. And you get a church full of babies. Can you imagine a bunch of nursery in i mean just like a room full of crying screaming babies like yeah i know i work nursery every other week tell me about it but i mean imagine you had this many babies sitting in their poopy diapers wow this would be a stinky church you probably wouldn't want to go in there all the time right i mean but yet we've got mass churches that are really spiritually immature that are in essence like babies sitting in their poopy diapers metaphorically speaking of course which again, we're blessed, guys. Yesterday, Nate and Jessica took a team to train our youth workers for the sake of discipling, not just kids, but adults. Investing in the team, investing in the members of this body to allow them to grow spiritually. That's awesome. Guys, we've got discipleship. But it can't be just discipleship. This is funny because I've been here long enough now, and anybody that's been in ministry long enough, you know it kind of ebbs and flows. It's like if you're not careful, sometimes churches, they teeter and they totter. And I saw this when I was in youth ministry. It's like in certain seasons of our youth ministry, we would, we would have like a lot of lost kids that were coming in, and it was like we needed to reach them. So we were heavy, more heavy on the evangelistic side because that's who we had. And then there were later seasons where they had come to know Christ, and we were, grow, we were working with them to grow, and we were discipling. And so then there was that kind of getting into the meat side of things. But it's not one or the other. And so we as a church must try to help be healthy in that balance. And, and I, I sense that we have moved from probably early on, 11 years ago, maybe being a little more um, evangelistic in balance to moving into a season of almost feeding that maybe we've become spiritually obese to now there's just nothing, to, to like no exercise. Now, and don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not saying you're doing nothing. I, bad choice of words. But what I'm saying is, if you're like me, if we're not careful, sometimes we can get complacent. We can get apathetic in both railroad tracks. And so it's important that we stir one another, that we love one another, so we can get back to the mission, that the mission can become our focus again. And that's going to take a balance of going and discipling. And so I want to encourage us on that path. No matter what ministry you're a part of, 
no matter what your occupation in the world is, no matter what season of life you find, well, I've done my share, I'm too old. No, you're not. Well, I'm too young, I can't do anything. Yes, you can. God has called us all to do for His glory. And not in our strength. It's in His strength. Honestly, I think oftentimes what God is waiting for is just for us to be willing. And sometimes when we're willing, we don't even end up doing what He was asking us to do. Have you ever noticed that? Has that ever happened in your life? Oh, ask me and my family about the move to Florida that never happened. All lights were green. Go, go, go. Sold our house, sold everything in it. My wife was pregnant. This seemed to be clearly God's will. And in the end, it was that God just wanted to know we were willing. And when we got to that final step, he said, okay, now let me tell you where you're going. Isn't that what he did with Abraham and Isaac? I mean, do you think about the mountain? Guys, sometimes that's where God takes us in our life. Sometimes it's not about whether this will or this won't. It's about, am I willing? And so we as a church must be willing. I've heard people say many times, well, well preacher, I'll do whatever you want me to do around you, but I, listen, I, ain't, I don't want to go to no foreign country now. I, that scares me to death. I ain't, I ain't uprooting my faith. Let me tell you the best place to be in the world. The center of God's will. And the center of God's will may be right here in LaGrange. It may be way over in the depths of China. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, be willing to be in the center of God's will regardless of what that is or where that is. So our ministries are a platform for the gospel to reach people with the life-changing message of Jesus Christ and to make disciples. Plain and simple, that is our 2020 vision. And so right now, whatever ministry you're a part of, whatever ministry you're a department head of, I want you to think about how in my ministry, the ministry that God has entrusted to me, and listen, i got no problem with, with, with those kind of pronouns because I think there's a level of ownership there needs to be because that tells me you're invested. We're part of that family of God, and so this is my family. I don't own this family. God owns this family, but man, they're mine. We're together. We're one. And so whatever ministry God has entrusted to you as a part of the family of God, know this. We need to keep Christ at the center of it. How do I glorify God in, 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 in reaching people? with the gospel, collectively. Maybe it's a group effort. Maybe there's some type of outreach that, that, your, that your group that you're a part of can, can lend a hand to or be involved with. That's, that's a church-wide effort. And then within its own confounds, you, you, you have the, the opportunity for discipleship. That's teaching others. That's pouring into others. That's investing in others. And so no matter what ministry you're involved in, there's that opportunity. And if you're not involved in a ministry, please, let me encourage you. What are you waiting on? 
God saved you, if you belong to Him, you're part of the family of God, He has a ministry for you. He wants you to participate in some level. You say, well, I don't know what to do. I don't know what my gifts are. I don't know how... That's okay. That's part of the journey. That's part of sometimes just sort of stepping into the pool to find out if you like this end or that end. And so, don't sit idle on the sideline. Don't sit by and watch the game take place. That's not what God saved you for. And so there are opportunities. And if you're not sure, ask. Ask someone that you, that you, you, you look to here in the church. Hey, what can I do? How, can, how do you see me being involved? What, what do you think is an area I could get plugged into? Just ask. Ask those that you have confidence in that are your friends, that love you, that are a part of this ministry. And, and, and ask Pastor Nate. Ask Pastor Dean. Ask myself. We'll be more than happy to, uh, be happy to pray for you and help you find that opportunity. Our goal is not just to make converts, it's to make disciples. And again, as I mentioned, you can't just have the one. We can't just go after, hey, let's, let's just reach the loss, let's just reach the loss, let's just reach the loss. Because that will never fulfill our mission. And so we must equip each other. That's part of the pastor's responsibility. And that's what we're doing right now in this moment is equipping you to go and do the work of the ministry. That's what your pastors are. Jesus, this is, look, God's word says that pastors are a gift to the church for that purpose, to equip you, to help you do the work of the ministry. Not that we do everything. And, and look, I can say this loud and clear. I just was telling uh, Big Bear out in the hallway. We are blessed because percentage-wise, this church does a lot in the way of service. A lot of you do a lot here in this local body. And that's awesome. But 100% of the body, when working, is healthy. When 90% of the body's working, something's wrong in some part of my body. Oh, heaven forbid, 20% of my body's not working. It's a lot more difficult, right? Some of you say, yeah, I know, tell me about it. Well, imagine 30% of our body not working. Uh, imagine 40, 50, 60. Because statistically, you know, you hear the joke, 10% of the church does 100% of the work. Imagine 10% of your body, your physical body. Imagine 10% of your physical body working and 90% not. how important it is for all of us because God has saved us and He has placed us into the body to be His hands, to be His feet. And so we want to encourage that. So how do we plan to do this in 2020? And uh, before I answer that question, how many else in here are hot? It's a little bit warm. Okay, thank you, you three. I'll go with y'all. Can somebody... <laughs> thank you, Brother Mark. Awesome. Um, I don't usually take this off till after the first point, but anyway. How do we plan to do this? Well, before we do, I want to ask this question. This is audience participation. What did God use to bring you to CBC? Now, before you answer that question, I want you to think about it. And, and, and specifically, because I've only been here for, it'll be 11 years in June that I've been here. So, I just kind of really want to target in on the last 11 years, okay? In the past 11 years, if you've come to community in the past 11 years, I want you to think about this question. What did God use to bring you to CBC? I want to see a show of hands when I ask the questions, 
Okay, don't be shy, raise them up and hold them up until I can get a look. Some of these will overlap, so it's okay to answer more than once. All right, some of these will overlap, so it's okay to answer more than once. How many of you came to CBC, and, and listen, by the way, if you're visiting here today, I want you to answer as well, okay? How many of you came to us because you found us on the website or an online presence? Raise your hand, nice and high. Don't, don't be shy, hold it up, okay? Let everybody, see. okay, good, all right? How many of you came here because of, you, you heard about our youth ministry, like Awana? or a word of life, and you heard about that, and that influenced you. Good. How many of you came to us because someone invited you? Raise your hand. Oh. Everybody look around. Hands down. How many of you came here because of a public outreach ministry? There was a ministry we were doing somewhere out in the public and we met you and that was the reason you're here today. Raise your hand. Awesome. As I said, some will overlap. How many of you are here today because it was somehow connected through a sports-related ministry? Raise your hand. A sports-related ministry. Some in the back, some here, some there as well. I think in a roundabout way, we could probably also include the Pridgens because I know during our sports outreach, Josh loved that pass. I think it was Bryce that called it, but anyway, up here in the front, and we were doing a, uh, a, a Super Bowl outreach that day. And I guess technically we could also include Ivy because had I not been involved in a sports ministry, I never would have got a sports injury. That's a, anyway, I know that's loosely connected. Loosely connected. Now, Josh, I'm going to pick on you for a second. How many new faces are you working with out here in the past two weeks? Just give me a number of new guys that have been in the gym in the past few weeks. 18. Y'all heard that, right? What other ministry has given us the potential of 18 Possible converts, possible disciplees. Carver's waving because he's an AVT man. Yes, we know you've reached the multitudes. And guys, I don't want to lose sight of that. AVT department, and look, I'm not trying to knock on any, I know we're singling out one specific, but guys, all these ministries are valuable. We're not saying that the other ministries are not valuable. But I want us to see two things, because this is, this is wild and crazy, but I actually knew what the top two answers were going to be. I knew the number one was going to be, people invited me. How do I know that? Because that's God's plan. Go, therefore. Guys, let me tell you, if we'll just simply do that, that's all we need to do. Now, my guess is, on those 18, Josh, you reached out, didn't you? He connected with them. 
He connected with them over a common thing. Some of you have common things. It's called work. You connect with people at work because you work with them. Some of you have common things that you connect with in the way of hobbies. And so you gather with ladies for crafting or, or you gather with men to golf or, or you do various things that, that pull you together because there's a like-minded connection. That's awesome. Keep it up. But don't lose sight of our goal. It's not that we can have a great basketball team. If that's our goal, then we are missing the mark. If it's so that we can, you know, learn how to bake a cake better and I'm in the, the baking club or the book club and I can read, whatever. We miss the point, guys. The point is I need to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and I need to invest in their lives to make disciples. That's our goal. But I wanted to highlight, and I think our numbers are down because I know we could add uh, the Watsons that come. They're part of that. I know Pivovarskis were invited, but again, we were connected initially, at least for me, and, and, and I know David O. and Martha were connected there. But that was involvement. By the way, athletic director, Mr. Andrew, and I know he hates it because he doesn't like any uh, attention, but I'm going to give it to you, brother. He does an incredible job overseeing the athletic ministries. And we couldn't do what we do apart from him. He carries a, a, a lot of responsibility in that, and I appreciate that. Sports in the New Testament. It's in the Scriptures. Metaphors, references. God's not against sports. Amen? Whew, I didn't know where this sermon was going. Hey, guys, God's not against sports. Now, let me just say, the church made a move at one point, and understand, understandably why, and we're seeing the same movement again to, in our day, back in the Roman period, when sports under the Roman authority became almost, it, it became idolatrous. Well, guess what day and age in which we live? Sports, again, has become idolatrous. And so back then, uh, uh, there was a movement from some to just completely separate themselves from it. And you can understand why. I can understand why. But I don't think just because people are gluttonous in a society means we stop eating. You understand the logic there, right? Now, I need to maybe lay my fork down a little bit more. I might need to back away from the table a little bit more, right? Because there is a fine line that we cross from something being good and acceptable and pleasing to idolatrous. Your family can become idolatrous. You love your family. God doesn't mean He doesn't want you loving your family. But if we're not careful, our family can take the place of God in our life, in our heart. And so again... I caution us, as we explore what we're exploring today, as we look ahead, we must be careful. God, search my heart, try me, consume all my darkness. If there's an imbalance here, help me find healthy ground. Because as we're learning in Colossians, no matter what we do, no matter where we are, Christ must have preeminence. And so I want to say this to all my sports fans, to all of my weekend warriors, to all of you who, who involves your kids into various ministries uh, that, that, that 
Let it be that. Let it be a ministry. God has placed you in your circles to make connections for the sake of the gospel. Influence people for Christ. Seek to win the lost. Seek to share the good news that they might be pulled in to the boat for the sake of Christ. So, again, don't take my word for it. Look at some of the passages we find in, in Scripture. Hebrews 12.1, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. I know Nate understands that passage. He's a runner. And ain't nobody chasing him. I can't figure that out. But anyway. Holding fast the word of life. This is one of our, our verses, our motto here. Holding fast the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. The Apostle Paul oftentimes used this language because, again, it was prevalent in his society. Galatians 2.2, And I went up by revelation and communicated to them that gospel which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to those who were of reputation, lest by any means I might run or had run in vain. Galatians 5, 7, you ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? 2 Timothy 4, 7, I fought the good fight, boxing reference. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. 2 Timothy 2, 5, and also if anyone competes in athletics, he's not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. There's a certain way to do this, guys. There's a certain way to live our Christian life. Again, a reference. This is uh, probably one of the uh, ones here that uh, I think speaks loud. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now, they do it to obtain a perishable crown. But we, for an imperishable crown but we for an imperishable crown therefore i run thus not with uncertainty thus i fight not as one who beats the air but i discipline my body and bring it into subjection lest when i have preached to others i myself should become disqualified and by the way i remind you this was written to the city that hosted the isthmus games anyway i was reference to what's that game Oh, Hunger Games. Somebody read it. All right. These are references. And we, we didn't even look at the Old Testament. You see these sports references throughout, and, and, and they're good references. God's not against sports. All right, 80s trivia. As you know, a little commercial timeout break here. My daughter is having a birthday party Friday. You're invited. Love for you to come out and join us. Bring your wheels Wheelchairs are, accept, are, are, are allowed. So here's my trivia for you, 80s trivia. It's fun to stay at the what? <laughs> you heard that too. Okay, well, I, since you brought it up, let's talk about the origins of the YMCA. Hey, that was pretty good. Look at it. We may do that one. What about the origins of the YMCA? 
I want you to consider the origins of the YMCA, all right? It was founded by George Williams. He was a drapery worker, okay? Now, that, that'd be kind of like equivalent to today um, a department store. Zach, JCPenney, right? This would be, he was like this guy, right? Zach's George Williams, all right? I'm just trying. And he had 11 friends. This is the cat group, all right? He had 11 friends. Okay, yes, I know. But only, you only need 11 to do what George did, so you can, you can hand select. Yeah. And so here's what happened. So George, they were concerned about the lack of healthy activities for young men in major cities. The options available were usually taverns and brothels. <laughs> Neither are good choices, right? And let's just be real. Young people, there's not a lot of choices today, are there? Younger people, we have a good number of kids here in the community. There's a lot of idle time that goes on. And so they were concerned about that. And so William's idea grew out of meetings he held for prayer and Bible reading among his fellow, get it, workers in a business. Oh, there's an idea. Start a Bible reading at work or Bible study at work or maybe just meet for a little prayer time at work? Do you see how, guys, when I, just this one little highlight of, of this man's life tells you it was his life. It wasn't compartmentalized. We compartmentalize our faith today. And, and that's not what God called us to do. When God has got preeminence in our life, it's a spillover. It's who I am. It's what I do. You don't like what you hear? You probably won't want to be my friend. I'm okay with that. But this was how it started. In June 1844, he founded the first YMCA in London with the purpose of improving the spiritual condition of young men engaged in the drapery and bordery and other trades. He wanted to help the spiritual condition of his community. And so this idea was created. birthed out of Bible reading and prayer. So what about the YMCA influence? By the way, who's cold now? <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Well, it's a lose-lose, man. It's a <laughs> Run the race well. He's doing it. He's doing it. Anyway, sorry about that, bro. It... You're awesome. What about the influence of the YMCA? Have you ever thought about it? Now look, we know the YMCA, I'm not here endorsing the YMCA today, because the YMCA today is not what the YMCA was when it started. We can all agree to that, right? But when you understand how something began, think about it. The, the, the Harvard, Yale, some of those Ivy League schools, do you know what they were originally? They were schools to study the Scripture. They were seminaries. They were putting out missionaries and pastors. Oh, what happens when we don't stand for what is true? There's a drift, and our society has continued to drift, and now we no longer recognize who we once were. But when it comes to the YMCA influence, there were many people involved. Millions of children have benefited from youth sports at the YMCA. Listen to some of these names. 
Wilt Chamberlain. He was one. When he was 16, he was on the National YMCA Championship men's team. Frank Robinson was another. When bad weather forced him off the baseball diamond, he was in the Y playing basketball. President George Bush played basketball at the Y as a young man and later helped start the Y in Midland, Texas. Christian Leitner. I know you'd like that one, Matthew. Christian Leitner and Cliff Robinson, former NBA players, were on the same Y basketball team. Curly Neal. <laughs> Not that Curly. The one for the Harlem Globetrotters. He learned to play basketball at the YMCA. Walt Whitman was a volunteer for the YMCA. Oswald Chambers, some of you read his inspirational uh, writings, sometimes as a devotional. Oswald Chambers, he was a YMCA chaplain. Guys, do a search sometimes. There are untold numbers of people who were influenced because 12 men decided their community needed to be reached with the gospel and they needed to make disciples. Untold numbers, no doubt, influenced. It also led to what is known as the muscular Christianity movement. The muscular Christianity movement. Now, this, is a real, this was a real movement. Now, I found this very interesting as I, as I was studying, preparing, and doing this homework on this. Check this out. Muscular Christianity movement. There were four key factors that underpinned sports ministry development. Now, let me tell you. Some of you are saying, what is the, what is the muscular you know, Christian movement? It's a philosophical movement that originated in England in the mid-19th century characterized by a belief in patriotic duty, discipline, self-sacrifice, manliness, and model and, and, uh, and I'm sorry, moral and physical beauty of athleticism. So again, influence from the YMCA influences the muscular Christianity movement, and this, this was done in public schools. I mean, it was just like saturating society. And notice what they had four key areas they wanted to focus on with this ministry. A focus on evangelism and discipleship. That was one of their key factors. They also wanted to focus on youth. That was also one of their key factors. They also wanted to focus on eschatology. And it was driven by parachurch organizations. Now, let me talk... I know, eschatology. Eschatology is the study of end times. The study of end times. So they wanted this to be a part of it. Now, check this out. This is, this is really cool info. So, in the late 19th and early 20th century, the eschatology of the muscular Christians greatly shaped their understanding of and approach to sports. The premillennialists, which is us, the premillennialists sent out a rallying cry to win the world to Christ in their generation in order to usher in the return of Christ. This gave the young muscular Christians a motivation to use whatever means were available to them because they believed the time of Christ's return was imminent. Sports outreach provided a platform to reach the masses and it was accordingly embraced by churches, particularly in the United States. Now, the post-millennialists, 
they changed this point. The post-millennialists, by contrast, adopted the approach of trying to impact and improve the, exi the existing world of sports. Instead of focusing on evangelism, their concern was predominantly for social impact. Isn't that telling? So, so what are we saying? So, so again, with a right theological view, there was a motivation. How then shall we live? The reason why Paul thought Christ's return would happen in his day, and you can read the pages because they thought Christ's return was coming in his day. The reason why we're motivated today because we recognize that at any point Christ could return for his church. It motivates you. How then shall I live? How should I live right now if, if I know God could return today? That's a motivator to reach people with the gospel of Christ. That's a motivator for me to invest my lives into other people for the sake of the gospel. And now I understand the divide that's resurfacing again. History is important, guys. This, this rift is happening again within the body of Christ. Should we just tend to the social? There's a social gospel movement that kind of focuses mainly on the social side of things. Look, give a man a drink of water in the name of Jesus, absolutely. But don't lose sight of our purpose. D.L. Moody was also impacted, influenced, and involved with the YMCA. How so? Well, at Mount Vernon, Moody became part of the Sunday school class taught by Edward Kimball. On April 21st, 1855, Kimball visited the Holton Shoe Store, found Moody in a stock room, and there spoke to him the love of Christ. Hey, did y'all hear that? When he was out shopping, this guy witnessed. There's an idea for us. And so, he found him in a stock room, he told him the love of Christ. Shortly thereafter, Moody accepted the love of God and devoted his life to serving him. The following year brought Moody to Chicago with dreams of making his fortune in the shoe business. As he achieved success in selling shoes, Moody grew interested in providing a Sunday school class for Chicago's children and the local young men's Christian association. During the revival of 1857 and 1858, Moody became more involved at the YMCA, performing janitorial jobs for the organization, serving wherever they needed him. And in 1860, when he left the business world, he continued to increase his time spent serving the organization. In the YMCA's 1861-1862 annual report, Moody was praised for all his efforts. Although they could not pay him, the YMCA recommended he stay employed as city missionary. Hmm. Basketball. Basketball is my favorite sport. I like when they dribble up and down the court, just like I'm the king on the microphone. Anyway, that's a, that was an 80s throwback. Some, anybody know that? Curtis Blow? Okay, thank you. Morgan Holly, yes. Why did I know you would know that? All right. Basketball. Did you know basketball had its origins? Thank the Lord for George, who got 11 friends and through their Bible study, reading, and prayer time, started this organization because we wouldn't have basketball if it weren't for those guys. Check it out. Basketball. Yes, it was at the International YMCA Training School that in December 1891, anybody know who started it? Yes, James Naismith. Absolutely. Excellent. Yes, James Naismith invented the game of basketball, doing so at the demand of Luther Gullick. 
You just know that guy was, I just picture him, Luther Gullick. He was like, and so anyway, he was the director of the school. Gullick needed a game to occupy a class of incorrigibles. That's a nice way to put it, isn't it? In other words, he had a bunch of delinquent kids and he needed somebody to do something with them. And so he said, I need something invented. 18 future, get, hear me, hear me, 18 future YMCA directors who were more interested in rugby and football, they didn't want to keep doing leapfrog and tumbling and other activities that they were forced to do during the winter. And so Gullick, he wanted this, he wanted something created for those guys. Obviously, out of patience with the group, he gave Naismith two weeks to come up with a game to occupy them. That's where basketball came from. Guys, we use basketball as a ministry out here. Now, Andrew, I'll get the update this week, but a couple weeks back he told me, Pastor, we're, we're potentially looking at the most involvement in the ministry we've had since his conception. We were looking at 16 potentially, 16 different teams, 16 different churches in the community, also using this as outreach to reach the lost, to encourage people to come be a part of the team, also to find fellowship amongst those other believers to be a part of the discipleship that takes place at, at our events and hopefully in the practices. Right, Coach? <laughs> and so basketball can be used as a platform for the gospel and making disciples. Well, let's don't stop there. Volleyball. How many volleyball fans we got in the house? Okay, y'all are lying. I know there's more than you three. But anyway, we got a bunch. Uh, volleyball. Did you know that volleyball was invented at Holyoke, Massachusetts, YMCA? In, in 1895 by William Morgan, an instructor at the Y who felt that basketball was too strenuous for businessmen. Sorry, I'm just telling you what, what they said. It, uh, and Morgan blended elements of basketball, tennis, and handball into a game and called it Mentonet. The name volleyball was first used in 1896 during an exhibition at the International YMCA. Isn't that interesting? Again, co-ed volleyball is a sport that we do. Opportunity as its original design was intended for the gospel and discipleship. Right? Softball. Now, I know we took season off last year, but our athletic director is praying feverishly that it will return. Or maybe not. <laughs> Softball. Did you know softball is connected with the influence of Christian men, and the YMCA. Here we go. Softball was given its name by motion of Walter Hackinson, the Denver YMCA, in 1926 at a meeting of the Colorado Amateur Softball Association itself, a result of YMCA staff efforts. Softball had been played for many years prior to 1926 under such names as, get this, kitten ball, softball, and I'm sorry guys, even sissy ball. We won't be calling it that, I promise. Uh, in 1926, however, the YMCA state secretary, Homer Hossington, noticed both the sport's popularity and its need for standardized rules. After a gathering of interested parties, the 
the CASA was formed and Hackinson moved to settle on the name softball for the game. The motion carried and the name softball became accepted nationwide. Shortly thereafter, the Denver YMCA adopted a declaration of principles for softball adhering to non-commercialized recreation, open to all ages and races, and demanding good sportsmanship. That's one we need to revisit in our softball. <laughs> Sorry. Good sportsmanship. Um, interesting, isn't it? Did you know professional football? also has a connection. In 1895 in Latrobe, Pennsylvania, John Brailer was paid $10 plus expenses by the local YMCA to replace the injured quarterback on their team. Years later, however, so usually the history buffs are going, whoa, wait a minute, Pastor, I don't know about that. Well, hear me out. Years later, however, Pudge F.L. Finger claimed that he was secretly paid to play for the Allegheny Athletic Association in 1892. The NFL elected to go with Pudge's versions of events. Not surprising, the NFL is still going with the non-Christian, right? <laughs> we'll leave that political argument out there. Tebow, Kaepernick, anyway. Um, First paid professional football player. Why do I give you all of this history? Why all of this? I want you to understand this. The approach and primary focus of sports ministries that we do, and that was their mindset then, it should be our mindset now. The approach and primary focus of sports ministry was that through sport, the bad of society could be made good. That was their words, not mine. But what they're saying there is evangelism. That's the purpose. And the good of society could be made better. That's discipleship. That was their intent. That's what was their heart. That's what God birthed in them and through them as a visionary move. Because, again, what can we do to reach the culture around us? Go. How do we go? Go and penetrate where they are. Don't become acclimated to them, but penetrate them for the sake of the gospel. There's a difference in the two, and I, and I hope you understand the difference. So that brings me to a practical thing, the field of dreams. That's a picture of what our field looks like out here. Some of you have not been out there, but that's a picture of what our field currently looks like out there. Now, I realize we've had a lot of people come in here in the past 11 years, and some of you have never heard the history of this field. And so I want to give you a quick overview. When I first came here over 11 years ago, I was a young whippersnapper, and I remember in one of those early on meetings coming in, and, and I remember that week I had been driving out, and I noticed a sign across the street that said, Land for Sale, Auction Coming, said, and it had the date. And then I, we realized, we found out that actually this land back here was going to be auctioned also. It was 10 and a half acres of land. It was going to be sold on the auction block. And so I approached the deacons and I said, man, I really think we need to get approval from the church and let's send a representative to that auction and let's see if we can't buy that land. And 
And I'm just going to say this, a lot of those men are no longer here. Some are in glory, some have moved on elsewhere. And I'm just telling you, from where I was, what, what the understanding was. Upon telling that to this man in the room, they laughed. And they said, <laughs> you know who owns that land, don't you? I'm new to the town. I don't know. That's the, and I won't name them because lest there be a family member here because you know how this town is. They said, they ain't going to let that go for cheap. To which I replied, I don't know who the so-and-sos are, but I know who my God is. And if he wants us to have that land, it's our land. And I remember leaving, and honestly, I'm just giving comparative because all I know to do is, is, is think from what I, what I read in, in the scriptures, I couldn't help but think of like David being laughed when, you know, because here's this young kid stepping out and, 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 and he's getting laughed at, you know. And, and so I remember I walked straight in right after that meeting. I walked straight into my house and I told my wife, I said, honey, they laughed tonight. And I want us to pray. Because if that's God's will, then I want God to show himself mighty in this. And if it's not God's will, we're, we're fine. We're, we're okay. I'm okay. I got no problem with that. But I, I can't, I, I've lived my life in a way, guys, that you would not even begin to imagine. What God has done in this boy's heart. I've seen some things that that have just... God is real. And He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek after Him. And so we hit our knees and we prayed. Your will be done. Not my will. Your will be done. The land went to auction. We didn't send a representative. The land didn't sail. It didn't bring enough money. These guys were right in that sense. They weren't going to let it go unless they got a certain amount of money. We didn't have a representative there. We continued to pray. I then later approached after a little season of prayer and asked them again. I said, men, can I ask you to at least do this? Let's present it to the church and give me a low ball. Just give me a low number. Insult me. Give me something to take to this family and offer. And so they said, well, we'll do $25,000. And you guys approved that, $25,000 for 10 and a half acres of land. Where do you get that? That's a miracle. Where I come from, look, this lot across the street at one time, they were asking more than twenty-five dollars for this one little acre right here. This one little lot. It's all right. No problem for our God. Called the man up. I said, I'm prepared to make you an offer. Praise God for savvy businessmen around me, though. I didn't give them the full amount, obviously, up front, because that <laughs> would be foolish. They called me back and said, the family has refused your offer. Okay? But I think if you come back, they might be willing to entertain another offer. Praise God, we left a little room, and I came back. He called me back that afternoon and said, they'll take it. Guys, God is good. Amen? That was his plan. That was his will that we have that and we got that. We asked to have it rezoned at the town of LaGrange. And the way it was presented by this church body was that it would become, anybody remember? Anybody remember what we presented to the town of LaGrange? That it would be it would become a field 
Do we change it into a softball or a flag football field? Mary Margaret and Mr. Holton used to remind me this often. Pastor, you know we've, we've told the town what we're going to do. That's the reason why it got rezoned. And there's been a lot of you who've prayed. There's been a lot of you who've put a lot of sweat and tears. Man, I can't even begin to name the amount of you people in here that's gone out there, that's raked, that's pulled your tractors, that's pulled roots, that's done all kinds of things to get this field to where it is today. And God's not done. Here's where we're at today. I've been approached by a potential donor who arranged a meeting with a project manager and they've asked that I just put down on paper a vision, a dream. Dream as big as you want. Now, we're not going to do everything you dream for, right? <laughs> but I appreciated them at least offering that so that, that we can paint out what, what does it look like? What does it look like in this community? And so I'm sharing that information with you now. And listen, I'm going to go on record and say it may be premature. They easily could change their mind and say, no, we're not going to go this route. And that's okay, guys. It's okay. But we need to pray. God's will be done. God's will be done. Whatever ministries we do, whatever ministry God leads us to, He will provide the means to get there, and He will provide the resources to fulfill the job. But I can already promise you, Pastor Nate, Pastor Jeremy, can't do this alone. And a lot of you are already doing. Sometimes, it, you know, it feels like some of the times we're like this with some of the ministries we have. I understand that. But just like we've seen example after example, if God brings us to that moment, He will provide. And there's a couple of things that he's put in my path and in my heart that I'm praying about as well. And so I ask for your prayers collectively. It may not be for us to man this on our shoulders alone. And I can promise you it's not. God has his people. But we have to be willing. We have to be obedient to what he wants. And if this is not what he wants, praise God, it won't happen. But if this is what he wants... Sign me up, coach. Put me in, coach. I'm ready to play. So how can your area of ministry support this effort? We don't need to wait till we get there to figure this out. We've been doing our, if you've been doing your Word of Life quiet time devotions, God had already gone way ahead and prepared the land for them. Praise God for the Joseph planning ahead and, and, and God leading him to where he was because... Seven years of plentiful survived the seven years of famine, right? And so God's provided. He is providing. He will provide. But I want to ask you, your area of ministry, whatever area of ministry you're a part of, how does it fit into, if God should lead us to, flag football, softball ministry, some kind of youth sports ministry, some type of outreach out here in the community? Because we got incorrigibles everywhere, Right? That's society. That's life. That's everywhere we go. And so how could we be a part of that? We're going to need coaches. We're going to need refs. We're going to need some team moms. We're going to need volunteers to help with concessions. 
Because by the way, on that dream, we've got a concession stand, we've got a pavilion, we've got a flag football field, we've got a softball field, we've got a parking lot, we've got a bridge going across, we've got a paved parking lot. We even got a big extended golf cart taking all these senior saints out there to be fan support. Woo-hoo! Again, guys, I don't know what the finished product's going to look like. God does. But I'm excited. I'm excited about the opportunity. I'm excited if the light's green, I'll go. The light's green, I'll go. And if it turns red, I'll stop. But don't be deceived that sometimes obstacles get in the way. That's not a stop, that's a go-around. And we confuse it oftentimes in Christianity. Because we lack the faith. We're going to need people to give devotions. We're going to need a grounds crew. We're going to need some audio and video people. We're going to need scholarships to help sponsor these kids of the community. By the way, we need that help right now. Let me say this. We had how many, Mark? About nine? So about eight kids from the community that want to play in our youth sports league but may not have the means. If God puts that on your heart, we would love to provide them a scholarship. It's $55 to play. And so I'll leave that between you and the Lord. But these are the ways, guys, that a church does outreach in the community. This is the way that, that we, as a body of Christ, can be the hands and feet. Hebrews 10, 24, 25. And I know we're a little past time. I'm going to wrap it up. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching, the Lord's return is soon. And we've got kids out here who love sports. And we got the gospel. And we got the means through Word of Life clubs and, and, and to give them discipleship. Guys, do you, understand, do you see this feeder program? They come from the community, they come into the sports, they come into the discipleship. They come from the community, they hear the gospel, they get saved, they come into the discipleship. Guys, this is the track. And that train's pulling out of the station. Who's on? Who's on? Who's on board? Who's following? Or, or are we trying to go this way? Or, or maybe we want to go this way. Or maybe our idea is, no, I don't like that. I think we need to go. Discipleship, the gospel, evangelism, discipleship. It ain't the Trump train, folks, but it's God's train, and it's bigger and better. I'm just saying. No disrespect for my president. Prayers for you. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as He wanted, to, to, wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Guys, we need to be one in the effort. Regardless of our respected ministries, we're moving towards the same goal. Reach the loss with the gospel of Christ and make disciples. Reach the loss with the gospel of Christ and make disciples. 
Let's have a clear focus on his mission in 2020. Let's evangelize and discipleship. That has to be the key with the opportunities he brings to us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for uh, just this. Again, you you know what you've been doing. And again, I, I don't know where this leads, but I know where you lead. And I know in the end, Lord, uh, it's for our good and your glory. But Lord, my prayer is that the listeners here today will recognize that they have a part in it. And I don't know specifically what their part is. Only you can put that uh, finger upon their heart to compel them to move, to say, yes, preacher, I want to be on board with this. Count me in. And for some, that's not what they're going to want to do. And that's okay, Lord. My encouragement to them would still be to find ways from a distance that they can support this ministry, whether it's through prayer, whether it's financially, whether it's through their respected ministries, lending a hand, putting a shoulder to it, whatever it may take. But Lord, I know specifically, as we've seen here today by testimony of raised hands, there's two things that you've done in this church that's been very clear. You've used the people to invite others, and that's why they're here today. And you've also used sports ministry to a, to a good, uh, a strong degree here as well. And so, Lord, may we continue to do both and do both well. And so give us the means to do that. Give us the ability to do that, the stamina to do that. But, Lord, we're going to need the workers to do that. If this is where you're leading, if you're preparing that, then you're going to have to go before us. And so, Lord, add in. But I would say not even add in because it's, it's well, I do want you to add in, Lord, but I, I think there's enough people here that are sitting on the sideline if they'll just get in the game. We can invest in these young people. We can penetrate their culture. We can be where they are. We can meet them where they're at. And that's on the basketball courts, the volleyball courts, the football fields, and the softball fields of our nation that we might redeem that idolatrous land for the sake of the gospel. And so, Lord, thank you for those who, who are outside the salt shaker, but let them be mindful. Lord, it's easy, it's easy when in Rome to, to be as wrong. And Lord, you've not called us to do that. You've called us to be salt and light. And so, Lord, may we penetrate those, those areas with purpose. May we make friendships and relationships keeping Christ preeminent in all things. So Lord, thank you for this group. Thank you for the team effort that makes it possible. We could not do what we do if it weren't for the individual parts of the body. And so Lord, as we move into 2020, lead us, guide us, fill us, strengthen us. And as was sung earlier today, that we wouldn't do that in our strength, Lord, but that in those moments we're weak, we'll realize you are strong. Praise be to your name. Show yourself mighty, God. We believe in Jesus' name. Amen.